everyone, and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast for the smart and superficial girls everywhere. And this week's episode is with one of my smartest, coolest friends, Julia. She is the founder of Influent NYC, and she's also the founder of Tie-Dye Business that we talked about today. And she's a content creator and a genius one at that. I started following Jules in probably like early 2021 when she was posting social media tips, but we actually get into her entire history as a person who was dedicated to going into the healthcare field and abandoned that after realizing that entrepreneurship was really for her. And as someone who's a budding entrepreneur myself, this conversation just made me feel so much more supported and excited and inspired. And I really hope that you all are, if you're interested in entrepreneurship or if you are just someone who is interested in pivoting your life to be something that you've always dreamed it to be but never believed that it was possible, this is such a great episode. So don't forget to follow Jules everywhere on Instagram and TikTok. She's a great follow. And I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hi, we've been talking for 30 minutes, everyone. So we were chatting about being a creator and like the volatility of it just being so crazy. I know. I feel the same way where I'm like, okay, am I tired of being on social media because I'm so close to it? Or am I being a baby because my content isn't performing well right now? Um, And I feel like it's a little bit of both. (laughs) I think it is because at the end of the day, it is more saturated than it has been in the past. So that always feels like, like, I, I guess like I've always stood by like, it's never too saturated, like anyone can do it. But at the same time, like that means you just have to be increasingly more clickbaity and increasingly like more strategic about your content, which like you can do, but to balance that with being authentic is a really hard job. Yeah. I was listening to Acquired Podcast earlier this week. I'm so obsessed with it right now. I love a good brand story and they do such great deep dives on all these different brands and they cover such a a, a breadth. They will look at like really new brands. Brands have that have blown up in the last 10, 20 years. And they'll look at like the New York Times and Standard Oil and like give you all those stories. So fun. But they talked about how there's like the technology has caused this like squishing in the middle of the market where you have Amazon over on one side and then you have all these little Etsy sellers and Shopify sellers who cater to passion communities on the other side. But there's really no middle market. There's not like all those mall brands and like, you know, like, vague brands in the middle. And I feel like the same thing is happening on social media where you have these massive macro influencers, Emma Chamberlain, David Dobrik, whoever over here. And then there's just no room for anyone in the middle to just be creating that same type of lifestyle influencer content. And then on the other end, you have people catering to like hyper-engaged passion communities. And what I feel like is going to happen partially because influencers are tired of putting in a ton of work and not seeing the result, but partially because this is what the market's asking for, is the only creators who are going to continue to create are the ones who get some amount lucky and blow up and end up with celeb quality, or they're just like super passionate about something and they happen to share it on social media. Yeah, because at this point, it used to be if you blow up, you become like a Lily Singh, where you are now mainstream, you have a TV show, you have two books, blah, 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 blah. And like, now I think like, 
it not only is it faster, like the amount of people who blow up, like have we heard from Addison Ray in months, you know? But I also think like, so I think there will be that big like people who blow up next big thing as well. And that's always been my like projection, but I'm not seeing it right now. Like I think we're in a weird place like on TikTok specifically in August, 2022, like where there isn't a huge like up and comer. And because I don't know if you saw that like, the amount of accounts with over a million followers has dropped by like almost 50% this year. Like last year they were growing at crazy amounts and now they're not. And so it's like, that's because how, like how big does this passion economy get before we like, like how do we get to that middle like ground where there's people who are like, maybe they have one or 2 million, but they're not like on Good Morning America. Like it's a weird, like the market is asking for it, but I wonder how it will happen because this is a hard job to do mentally. It is. And it's just on the other end, how much content can be consumed? Like our screen time is already our whole day. (laughs) How many more people can we follow? Yeah, that is so true. It's like, you just gotta go. Yeah, I guess you just go in cycles. Have you thought about creating content around different interests of yours. I feel like you have a very entrepreneurial side that social media doesn't see as much. I think so too. I think um, right now I'm in a place where I feel really like I feel directionless with my content in a way because I feel like I'm not really passionate about fashion anymore, mostly because I don't get dressed because I work from home. And I'm not really like, and they're like, my account started about like health wellness. And so those two things are just not really a part of my life anymore. But like, I feel like the entrepreneurship stuff, I think I've always been afraid of showing up as really preachy. And now that I've seen people like you or people like Dolma do it, I'm like, this is my favorite type of content. So I should be creating it too. But I think like, I still just have been like, I have like a mental block around it, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. And I feel like we put ourselves in boxes and we're like, I can't make this weird off niche content. Like you could still post your outfit of the day and you, I love your stories with the little reminders. They're my favorite. (laughs) I always need to hear them. You just know what's in my head. I just, it's whatever I need to hear that day is whatever it is. So I feel like it's like uh, we collectively all are on the same page. I love that. And I think you could continue that, but you could also share business related content, but I totally get that. And I think it's because men carved out that space in social media and they did it in a way that just like is not appealing to us. The girlies did the fashion content first. And then the guys were like, well, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be this like business guy who wakes up at 4.30 a.m. and takes a cold shower and has bulletproof coffee. And girls were like, I don't want to make that. That's so cringy. (laughs) No, because you're so right. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think about the content I consume and it's all self-development and business. And like, you wouldn't know that from my profile. Like, and I don't think, and I think people, people listening might be like, wait, what? And it's like, yeah, that's literally like what I consume and it's what I'm interested in. So maybe I do just need to like pivot like that. And if I do, it's thanks to your advice. Cause I feel like you guys have done it and you've done it well. And like, because like I haven't lost the passion for that since like 2014. Like I'm so glad Dolma exists because I was one of those girls who was like researching the Glossier and the Summer Friday stuff in like 2016 when it launched. Like I remember that so vividly, you know? Same. And I feel like that's what you need to make content around instead of making content for the purpose of being a creator and influencer working with brands, just 
make content around what you could research or talk about for hours. And that's why I started doing the brand breakdowns is because I spent like an entire Saturday just like researching and watching docu-series about Les Wexner because I'm just so fascinated. I'm obsessed with your obsession. Like it's so crazy. It's so crazy because like the mall brands don't exist anymore and just seeing all the – oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah. So crazy. And it's like random old white guy in Ohio is like, I'm going to make Victoria's Secret, Hollister, Abercrombie, Express, Bath and Body Works, like every brand. It's wild. It's crazy that he did all of those. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So anyways, I can go into that for so long. I'll listen to a four-hour episode of Acquired Podcast and like do more research on a topic. (laughs) Some of them are so long. Okay, since we've talked people's ears off, we would love to do an introduction. Who are you? What do you do? And tell us about yourself. I am a founder slash content creator. My business, Influence, takes over brand TikTok accounts. We place creators within the accounts to create content like in-house for the brands. And then we use artificial intelligence to analyze the TikTok content performance and come up with new content ideas. I was doing all these analyses for these brands manually, and I would put all of their content into spreadsheets, look for patterns among the highest performing content. What was your intro? What's the content topic? What are the keywords? Did you use green screen? And it took a really long time, but it was actually pretty predictable, like what would perform well. It's less random than people think. So I was helping brands figure out what their audiences wanted to see. And I told my software engineers about it. And over the weekend, my CTO was like, hey, I played with AI this weekend and look what I found out how to do. And (laughs) he's like, all these spreadsheets you're doing, the computer can do it for us. And I'm like, beautiful. So now... Yes. Now we just plug the brands right into the AI and we're working on making it as self-serve as possible. So eventually a brand will be able to log in, connect their account, set a budget and creators who are interested in making content for those brands can like compete, I guess, to make the videos for them. And it'll just be like whichever influencer is the best fit for them then gets to make the videos. And then on the creator side, what would be a really amazing outcome is if you're a content creator, you can come in and be like, okay, I want to make 10 UGC videos this week in the skincare space. And you can just like make your side cash and it's so much more straightforward and immediate and simple than a traditional brand deal. That's so nice, especially because like you just made a video about this, like payments. And obviously I've been complaining about this on my close friends for the past like five about how I like haven't gotten paid in so long. And so if you can just be like, oh, like I want to work on this and brands need it. I think that's really the future of because we so much of us, so much of our entertainment is content creation as opposed to television and streaming. And like you can't just like, I don't know, like it's very hard to pick an influencer and do a whole campaign and do all of that. And like it's easier than a traditional commercial was, but it's getting to a point where it's like, we need more UGC 24 seven, you know? And so I do think like you're hitting on like this future, like maybe even democratization of like UGC creation. Yeah. And I hate to be a crypto bro about this, but like (laughs) 
internet, it's becoming so much more decentralized. And if you look at the patterns with social media, you go back to like MySpace, Facebook, it was such a traditional like social media. It was literally a social life put on the internet where you have an all about me and you connect with other people that you know. And then Instagram happens and it's more of that. It's traditional, but then influencers are born. And all of a sudden your feed is all influencers and you're like, where are my friends? And then we have TikTok where I don't even see the people I follow. It's just random content. And so now it's just like random people from all over the internet. So does it matter if a high performing video is coming from a creator's account with a million followers? Or is it as long as it's a high performing video talking about a skincare brand like that works? You're right. I think like people for people don't recognize that. Like especially because Gen Z, I say this when I'm talking to partners at YouTube too. I'm like when they're asking me like, oh, does this ad look good? If it's an ad and I know it's an ad, I'm allergic to it. Like I can't like no, nobody wants that. Like I need like you know the Halara, the exercise dress, like how all those random girls kept coming up on my FYP, like that worked at the end of the day. And it's like, I didn't know who any of them were. I just needed to see the product. I needed to see someone who was relatable doing it. So it doesn't really matter if you have the, like on TikTok specifically, on other platforms, like, yes, you need engage engaged audience to maintain like an influencer. But to be a content creator, you can do this without people behind you too. Yes. And it's much more challenging to please Gen Z in every aspect. Not only does your advertising have to be more discreet, but your products just have to be better. Like Gen Z is not buying vibes like millennials did. (laughs) Millennials would literally buy CVS skincare in a pretty minimalist bottle for 10 times the price because vibes. It's crazy just because of vibes like I just think of that like whole all of those big companies that were like so big at that time and the millennial pink like life's like Glossier is Vaseline like everyone would say that but like you would still buy it because it's got a vibe right it's so many of those those brands, especially like the D2C brands that just like did that super minimalistic. They, everyone used the same font. Everyone used similar color palettes. Like it was literally just the same exact thing we've been buying at a way higher price point for absolutely no reason other than that we want to avoid paying off our student loans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then did you notice how all those like founders or all these people, like they all have the same book covers? Like I saw a tweet about that once where like all of the books that all of these people wrote had the same font and the same everything. Now we do love, I do love a girl boss, but you know, it was, it was just such a funny time. But yeah, Gen Z is, they, you need to like pull up for real with Gen Z because like they will cancel you for anything like and like you've got to have your sustainability on point you've got to have the product has to be like life-changing for them and then it's like honestly cooler if you're not like a super famous person like pushing it probably yeah exactly there's no more room for anything mid it either needs to like really deliver on the brand ethos or really deliver on value and I think think that we're going to lean even harder into the value aspect entering new economic times. Oh, oh, 100%. 
these new economic times are not looking great. So I know that you started out with as con- with content creation, and then you obviously had this journey of becoming an entrepreneur. I know your story personally, but can you tell us more about like where you started and how you went from you know being <laughs> at home in Michigan to where you are now? Yes, it is an all over the place story. So I played college golf at University of Michigan. And that makes me sound super bougie, but my parents are a teacher and a firefighter and they just like made crazy sacrifices so that I could play. And I was, I tried to go into healthcare. I tried so hard um, and I just hated it. Uh, My family was all about the healthcare. They're like, you can work from everywhere. In high school, I adored statistics. I was like, I want to be a data scientist. And my parents were like, what are you going to do with that? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. My teacher said her best friend works at Google and they were like, you'll have to go move to New York or California for that. So can't be doing that. And I was like, well, I don't want to abandon my family. So I'll do healthcare. Hilarious, because now I spend all my time in New York and California. (laughs) So anyways, tried healthcare, didn't work out. I was working in a dermatology office. And this was after applying to nurse anesthesia school, med school, these post-bac pre-med programs. I kept like getting into stuff. And I was like, if I get in, it's a God sign. And then I would get in and I would find an excuse to like drop out of the program. And so worked at all these different places, was at a nine to five in a Durham office and got hooked on the podcast, How I Built This. I was like, these stories are so cool. They all have really different backgrounds and still figure out a way how to make it work in business. Business is going to be like my ticket out of all of this. And now in hindsight, I'm like, I was so entrepreneurial my whole life and I just like ignored it. I remember I had like a little gum box, like an ouch gum box where I would keep money and I would try to go like do business stuff in the summer. And my mom was like, why do you want money? Like, what don't you have? And I was like, I just want the money. Like the money is what I don't have. (laughs) And I, I had like little babysitting business cards. I did like the whole lemonade stand thing. I had journals of like business ideas. I bought like random business books. There was one called like Young Millionaires Club or something. Like they were so cheesy. <laughs> and I just like never did anything with that. So I was like, okay, business is going to be my ticket out of this career that I hate. And I was sitting in my car eating lunch because I didn't like the people I worked with. They complained nonstop and I couldn't be around it. So I was listening to Sarah Blakely's episode about how she founded Spanx. So good. And she said, I was sitting in my car between selling fax machines door to door. And I started crying and I was like, this is not my movie. And I was like, nothing has ever resonated so much. I feel like I am stuck in the wrong movie. This is not what my life is supposed to look like. You know how you're supposed to be able to ask your, you know, six-year-old, eight-year-old self if she'd be excited about where you are now? I Like, I would have cried. I would have been like, are you serious? That's, that's what I chose to do. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's it. I'm starting a business. And I go home. I'm like looking through all my business books. I'm researching like what the best product to sell might be. And I'm scrolling Instagram, not doing research actually. And I see tie-dye sweatpants like popping up everywhere. And I am also pretty into fashion. And I remember seeing a runway show. I don't know, it might've been like Valentino or something in like 2018 or 2019 with a lot of tie-dye. And I'm like, 
the Miranda Priestly scene where she talks about Cerulean. And this is going to be a thing. So I noticed that there are only two accounts I can find selling tie-dye sweats. They're both sold out. It says it in their bio. They have tons of comments on their photos asking for a restock. I'm like, I can make some tie-dye stuff probably. And I order white sweats and I dye them in my parents' bathtub. I have my little sister help me. And I do a bunch of self-timer photos. I make this Instagram and it's just all me in tie-dye sweats. And (laughs) I start DMing all the people who are in the comments on these competitors' pages. And I send them discount codes to my Shopify store for like half off the same exact sweat. I've pulled like a Sam Walton Jr. and I went to Kmart and I took notes and I stole their customers. (laughs) And I, that's how I got my first customer. It was this adorable girl in St. Louis. And (laughs) she sent me a picture of herself in these tie-dye sweats. And I was like, this is so cool. I just made business happen. (laughs) Someone bought something from me. And I was like, okay, cool. So I can, I'm going to do this now. I figure out how to run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and then I discover the power of influencer marketing. I started gifting to a bunch of the influencers that I had followed for years. And one girl in particular was like, hey, I posted this on TikTok. And I didn't even know the girl had a TikTok. I gifted because I liked her Instagram. And her TikTok blew up, did 12 grand in sales. My house turned into a sweatshop overnight. Like, All of a sudden, I've recruited my family. The pandemic's hit. No one's working. They're all just tie-dyeing for me. And (laughs) it is just pure chaos, but we're doing like five grand a day in sales. Profit margins are beautiful because I'm just like selling these at $100, $120 a set because they take forever to make. But the stuff is cheap. To source. I'm sourcing these like from jerseys. I'm like using, I'm buying like cases of writ dye. And a friend from college comes across my Instagram and he's like, How are you doing? Like, what is going on here? Like, you have to explain this to me. And I explain it. And he's been in e commerce for a while and he like legitimately has stuff manufactured. And he's like, Let me link you with a supplier. And so I put in a $50,000 order. Okay, ironic that that's the number since what we just talked about. $50,000 order, cash. It's almost everything that I've made from the business at this point. And then COVID shuts down the factory, the textile mill, the ports, like everything stuck at shipping ports. And it's like six months of being out of stock. Like I have nothing. I'm trying to source Jersey sweats to keep this going, but then Jersey's factory shut down and they didn't have anything either. I mean, like these places, like everything from so many brands that we buy is very close to Wuhan and they were being hit so hard with this. No one was working. And I end up buying like open bottom sweats and people wanted these as joggers at the time. And it's so frustrating to me because I can't get any stock and Addison Ray and Charlie D'Amelio and all these people are TikToking in these damn tie-dye sweats. And I'm like, the demand could not be higher. So I buy these open bottom sweats and I seam rip them open and I put a safety pin through a piece of elastic and thread it through. And then I sew the pants back into joggers and I'm selling them. I'm hand sewing these and still selling them. 
anyways, I'm finally out of stock. Like I can't get white sweatpants from literally anywhere. And I, at this point, I'm running influencer marketing campaigns for people on the side, just because my influencer marketing was doing so well. I'm helping them contact influencers. I'm like, let's turn this into an agency. So I hire a couple people from social media. I actually, one of them, this girl has now graduated college and works for my current startup. I kept her because she's just unreal. (laughs) But I hire a couple people and we start running influencer campaigns for brands. I start posting about it on TikTok because I'm like, this is how I'm going to market and get more brand clients. And my TikTok starts blowing up. I get a ton of inbound from brands. It's working really well. I start working as an influencer with people who have creator economy tech startups because all my followers at this point were creators because I'm making content on how to make better content. And it was intended to appeal to brands who were like advertising on social media, but then creators ended up liking it at least as much as the brands did. But it was working at the time and the strategies were working with that like early TikTok land grab. So that's how I got all my brand clients. I started doing these brand deals. I met, made some friends in tech who had like creator economy tech startups. I had the idea for Influent. The, the idea has been through several pivots at this point. But I was like, I'm going to fundraise. I want a tech company. I want something more scalable. I was just so scarred by e-commerce. I don't want to deal with supply chain and all of that headache. Now that I've emotionally recovered, I do love e-commerce and I would do it again. But anyways, I was like, I want to I tech startup. So I had some really incredible friends who made intros to investors, helped me with my pitch deck, helped me refine the pitch itself. And at one point I, I came out to New York for a weekend and I got a few of my early angel investors at like a, a dinner. And I was like, I need to move to New York. This is ridiculous. One of my friends was like, you do, you're settling. Why are you in Michigan? And I was like, okay, true, I'm coming. Two weeks later, I like move into a sonder, which is basically like a legal Airbnb. And I'm just like month to month renting this place at just an exorbitant rate. I think it was like $6,000 a month. Like It's nuts. I'm just burning my tie-dye sweatpants money that I hand sewed to make. But <laughs> I'm like, who cares? I This is my my founder story. I, like this just has to happen. I don't I don't care. I'm I'm going to burn the savings. This is going to, it's all going to work out. It's fine. Everyone did crazy stuff in there. How I built this story. So I'm like, some people remortgaged homes. Like I'm fine. So I move out here. I'm on savings. I'm doing some TikTok brand deals and I start pitching investors full time. I, after about a month of pitching, I get some angel money, some, some more angel investors. And I'm like, maybe I'm just going to go with the angel money because pitching these VCs not working. My one friend helps me refine my pitch and all of a sudden people love my pitch. Like I just totally switched it and made it less about mission and more about money, which shocked is what venture capitalists want to hear. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be worth this much in this many years. And I just like figure out how to do the, how to pitch properly. And my lead, who is now my lead investor, I like, I did not think that he liked my pitch. I was like, that, okay, that did not go super well. Like I now just know that he's like very stoic. But at the time I was like, <laughs> not, he is not vibing. So I end up getting a, like investors that I really, really love and hiring the most incredible tech team through like a series of mutual friend intros. I had a friend from TikTok who was visiting here from LA and moving his girlfriend here to go to Columbia 
to get her MBA. And she, he was like, can I bring my girlfriend to coffee? Like, let's all meet. And I was like, yeah, of course. And I'm now like just friends with her. And she, I'm like telling her about my startup and she's like, okay, cool. Let me put this in the Columbia, like business startup group chat. And I'm like, cool. So I make a TikTok explaining what my business is. She puts it in the group chat and it gets like two responses. And one of them is from my now CTO. I loved his resume. I was like, you are perfect. Where can I meet you? And I like go to the Upper West Side the next day. I come to Columbia's campus with my laptop and I pitch him on the whole thing. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll drop out. He, we were, we're both just like very unhinged and like very entrepreneurial. And I think you just have to be a little bit unhinged to be a startup founder. And so that is how the Influent team was born. And I just like kept on recruiting people through mutual friends. I met a UX designer and a front end software engineer at a dinner, like at my friend's birthday party. And I was talking about my idea and they were both like, we could be looking for new jobs. (laughs) Wow. This is like, I think it's like the beauty of all of this story is like you have had a clear like understanding of who you are and what you like and what you want to do and like this like unhinged delusional sort of drive. And I just don't think that you can be successful in business if you don't have that a little bit and if you aren't willing to take a risk on yourself. And I'm like just – I'm just so excited because your idea is very much like – I do believe it is kind of like the future of where we're going next. So it's like you went through so many iterations and you talk about how like in the future you want to have more businesses. I think a lot of people get scared. They're like, this is the end all be all. But like you've had multiple and you've survived. So like, is that something that helps you like get through your days? Yes, I think. So first of all, it is scary, obviously, taking risks. But I think there's nothing scarier than not doing the stuff that you're like called to do. Um, I think the scariest thing would be like waking up and being like, I am 40 and I never left my hometown and never tried any of the things that I wanted to do. That's way more terrifying to me than like losing my money and having to start over. Also, it's all perspective. I met someone who came here as a refugee from Turkey, was literally homeless and is now the owner of like 10 plus restaurants in New York, is a multimillionaire and had, when he was trying to start his business, saved up $80,000 as a pizza delivery boy living in New York. So like you can only imagine the challenge of that. He couldn't open a bank account, but they wouldn't let him open a bank account because of like his citizenship status and broken English and like all of this. And so he kept it in a mattress and his best friend who was going to start a business with him stole it from him. And he saved up money again and started it solo and now owns the whole thing. Crazy, right? And so I'm like, and he had a wife and then they started having kids. And I'm like, okay, if people can take risks like that and figure their stuff out, like I can do it. Like I'm fine. I'm like in my 20s and I can go back and live with my parents in suburbia if I have to. Like I can take this risk. But yeah, I think with what you said about having different business ideas and, and, and like pivoting around, I think that the best founders, the most successful people, if you listen to a ton of stories and like study it, they are driven by an outcome by like wanting to make something happen, but you can't be picky about how you get there. (laughs) 
I think you just have to keep learning and iterating like as you go. And some people's paths are more linear than others. But like even Amazon, which seems very linear, like Jeff Bezos wanted to start the everything store in 1994. But it, like still there were so many pivots within that that no one ever like hears about or remembers. They had to go back and change it to like, OK, we're just selling books because we can't start with everything. But we're still going to end up the everything store. I don't know. I think you just have to be okay with the pivots. You do. And like, obviously, I feel like you read a lot and get a lot of insights. What are your favorite resources for people who also are entrepreneurial? Give us some recs. Oh, I have so many. I love how I built this. I think how I built this is great for just like inspiration and also finding comfort in the fact that like no one's, no two stories look the same. And if you are nervous about, you know, like bad things happening to you in business and like having to start over. Tate's chocolate chip cookies is another iconic story about a woman who was like absolutely robbed blind, lost her whole business, restarted it named after her dad and was purchased by like $500 million, I think by Nabisco. Anyway, like I think that you can learn so much from those stories on a more like mindset level from a slightly more like applicable, like tactical standpoint. I really love acquired podcast. I like Reed Hoffman's podcast, Masters of Scale. I'm obviously a big podcast girl because I have to be able to multitask to get through any information. <laughs> do you have your big three? Because we didn't do that rapid fire in this, but I would. what's your astrology? I am Scorpio, Sun, Taurus Rising, and cancer moon interesting the Taurus rising makes a lot of sense for your like lifestyle okay but yeah I feel you it's like can't sit still that's like just an entrepreneurial thing like I can't I have and if it's a book I have to have it on audiobook and paperback yes I love that yes I also think that if you're like just if you feel stuck and you don't feel super purpose-driven even resources like you are a badass I know that that is cheesy but if you are open-minded and you're like i am at a, a low point to the point where i'll listen to anything and open my mind to anything i think that's like a really great mind opener it gives you good perspective on like what are we all doing here and like why wouldn't you just try what you want exactly like nobody cares like just do what you want to do you know like i i agree i think books like that are i'm like looking at my shelf right now and like a lot of that is what I've got going on because you need like, especially when you're like a person in this world and you're afraid of what other people think of you, um, which is something everybody has to overcome before they start a business. But like, like those types of books, like you just got to be open minded with it because what's the point of being here if you're going to wake up like you said when you're 40 and be like, I never tried anything new, you know? Yeah, absolutely. One more resource I'll, I'll say is the Y Combinator Startup School for like very tactical businessy, like here's how to legally register your business. Here's how to fundraise type. Yeah, I needed that one. That's where I'm going to spend the rest of my day probably. It's so good. And I mean, like they have every single resource from all over. Like speaking of Jeff Bezos, he actually has talked at Y Combinator, like so many of the the best in the industry are involved and i i feel like they have just like the best resources they do they're, i mean they are the bet they are the biggest for a reason okay i know we are short on time because we spent so much time talking but i like to end all of my episodes by asking everyone the same question which is 
finish this sentence with something that you want young people or other people to know. You are too smart for... You are too smart for convincing yourself that you are safe somehow like safe i think people create a false sense of security around their existing life because it's easier than jumping into something new that scares you but people get laid off all the time companies go bankrupt people get fired like you aren't as secure as you think you are you could die any time and i mean some people i feel like don't like that i really like that <laughs> And I think people convince themselves that everything is like so permanent and it just isn't. You're too smart for like living your life that small. That's I think the biggest game-changing lesson I've learned in postgrad at everything is that it's not permanent. And like your emotions aren't permanent, your situation's not permanent and like it's a blessing and a curse and it's like you just have to keep that perspective and that way like it's way easier to go after what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole like, you know, Gen Z romanticizing your life main character thing, like I think sometimes it goes a little bit too far and kind of is annoying. But I do generally like thinking about everything in your life as part of your story. And like your biggest failures are going to make your biggest victories so much cooler. When you think, yeah, like when you listen to a business story, it would be so boring if they were like, I was born rich and we made a lot of sales right away and now I'm a billionaire. Like it's it's only cool when you hear about all the crazy like pitfalls. And like what would Guy Raz do? He's got what would the music people do? Like come on. Like right. we have to have a crazy <laughs> What kind of score do we put to that? Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's you're right. Um you're right. Like I anytime something bad is happening around me I'm like oh this is just a part of my part of my memoir. Yes. And it's going to make it so cool. And then when you overcome that stuff, you're going to be someone else's inspiration. And I feel like there's nothing cooler than having such a badass story that you get other people to live their best lives. Yeah. That's the dream at the end of the day. Like, doesn't matter what the business is. It's like inspiring other people to do it. It's just so cool to know there's other women who are like as invested in this as I am, if not more. Like, I think just even in the last year of like seeing that rise on TikTok, it's just made like it makes it way easier to like be excited about your dreams. Yeah, I agree. And I I love the the changing not fast enough, but representation <laughs> and being able to like actually see someone who's similar to you in certain ways and even just like from if you want to have a family or if you grew up in a certain role or thinking your future was going to look a certain way and then seeing people like do stuff differently that you can relate to. I don't know. It's just so cool. We still only get like 1% of venture capital, but it's fine. Yeah. Fuck venture capital. We don't need it anyway. <laughs> no, I actually, th- this little conversation just made me think of an investor for you. Same. Oh my God. Really? Well, hit me up. I'm so new to that. I never thought that I would be someone doing that. And now it's like, I just feel like, you know, I'm, I kind of want to, I want to experience it and it doesn't have to be like a perfect fit or whatever, but I do want to experience it. I think. Yes. I feel like even if you don't end up raising capital, if you don't end up taking any money, like cool experience. That's also like, I was starting to feel that way too. I was like, I want to fundraise and see how fast I can scale a company. And I'm going to be mad if I don't try it. 
So we're sending it. <laughs> okay. I love it. This has been so great. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast. Oh my God. I'm glad. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.